Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to talk to you about exercising your spiritual authority. And I'm going to read out of Hebrews chapter 4, the 14th verse. And uh, I believe the Apostle Paul to be the writer of the book of Hebrews. He said here in verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, in, in a few chapters over, in the 10th chapter, the Apostle Paul calls it the profession of our faith. Hebrews 10, 23, the profession of our faith. So here in 4.14, he says, um, let us hold fast our profession. So we could add to that, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. Now, you know what a professional is, don't you? Okay, an amateur and a professional are two different things. What's the difference between an amateur and a professional? The main difference is that a professional can make a living doing it. This is what they do. It's kind of like what I was talking about earlier, a giver or a farmer. That's their lifestyle. That's what they do. So a professional can make a living at it. An amateur, for instance, can play golf on the weekends, but nobody's watching them on TV play. Nobody wants to, right? Now, a true Christian doesn't just practice their faith on the weekends either, but they are faith professionals. Amen. How many want to be a faith professional? Praise the Lord. Now, a lot of times we think about being faithful and, and walking in the faith, and we think about being faithful to God and um, obeying God, and certainly that's right. But we have responsibilities as Christians to walk in our God-given spiritual authority. Okay, so there's other areas besides our obedience and developing the fruit of the Spirit. There's other things besides those that we need to develop in, and we need to become more developed in the exercising of spiritual authority. Okay, did you know you could have all the fruit of the Spirit developed and, and the enemy still run you over in your life if you don't know who you are in Christ? Amen. There's a lot of good Christians that love the Lord that would do anything for you, but they have no clue who they are in Christ. And so maybe they have a revelation in one area, you know, and that's where they excel in. But the areas where they have no knowledge, the enemy's defeating them in. Amen. And so we want to become faith professionals. Praise the Lord. Um, in Romans 1.17, the Apostle Paul says, the just shall live by faith. So he's talking about walking by faith as a profession, not just a hobby, right? Now, the word profession or professional, it comes from the word profess. Do you know what it means to profess something? It means what you say, right? And this word is also synonymous with confession, these two words, profession and confession, really are the same word. In the message translation uh, there in Hebrews 4.14 out of the message, I want to read that to you. Well, I'll just quote uh, part of it to you. It, it says, let's not let it slip through our fingers. In other words, your confession of faith is something that you could lose without actually realizing it. And uh, back to spiritual authority, it's by our confession of faith that we release our spiritual authority. Your confession is a releasing of spiritual authority, an exercising of spiritual authority. 
That's why it's so important to speak God's word all the time, to stay on top of your confessions and, you know, not only confess for things, but speak the word against things. Amen. In other words, not just say, oh, I just confess we're going to have good weather this week. No, that's good. But where your authority comes in is you begin to speak to the weather and you command it to line up and become peaceful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so you got you to do more than just quote positively. You got to take your confession and speak against circumstances. Speak against the enemy when he's attacking. Amen. We're going to talk about some of the different ways to release our spiritual authority tonight. But before we do that, look with me over in Proverbs chapter 12, and I'm going to read the 13th verse. It says, The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his own lips. Now, when we think about transgressions, we think about someone who's committing some big, terrible sin. But really, all a transgression is, is contrary to the truth. A transgression is something that is contrary or opposite to the truth. So a person who is snared by the transgression of their lips, that just simply means that this person is speaking contrary to what the Word of God says. Do you remember when, when uh, the 12 spies went over into Canaan land? Okay, Joshua and Caleb were the only ones who came back and said, we are well able to possess the land. Okay, they talked about how big the size of those grapes were, but all the other 10 could talk about was how big the giants were. So it's all about your perspective. And so the other 10, they came back with what the Bible called an evil report. They said, we are not able to possess the land. The inhabitants thereof will eat us up. We are, in, we are as grasshoppers in our sight and we are as grasshoppers in their sight. We are not able to possess this land. And the Bible calls that an evil report. You see, why was it an evil report? Because it was contrary to what God had said. God said, behold, I have given you this land. Go in and possess it. And they came back in and by the transgression of their lips, they were snared. And because of the doubt of 10 of those 12 spies, they remained in the wilderness for another 40 years. None of Israel went into Canaan land because of the negativity. See, it's important who you hang with. It's important who you're in relationship with. Because if you're tight with the wrong people, they will hold you back from the promises that God has for you in your life. Sometimes you can't help who you're with, but as soon as you see your opportunity, you get gone. Amen. And God will grace you. He'll help you. And sometimes there's things that there's a reason you're with with wrong people sometimes. And God wants you to be because there's some rough edges. He's trying to get knocked off of you and attitudes and insecurities. He wants you to try to find to find your strength in him and not in another person. Amen. And then when he sees that you pass the test and he can move you on from that person, he'll put you in the workplace where they just do you wrong all the time. And then, you know, 
It's like the country song, you know, take this job and shove it. That's the wrong, that's the problem with people is they think that they're, everything's wrong but them. <laughs> you know, see, if you'll stick around in a place long enough, you will get helped. God can change you, God can grow you, God can develop you if you just stay in a place long enough. We think because it's bad, well, God must not want me here. No, maybe he's trying to remove some things out of you that don't belong. And he knows you'll never fit in the place he has for you until you get rid of those things. Amen. So a lot of times we think we're waiting on God when really God is just waiting on us. Amen. I'm teaching better than y'all are amen right now. Some, some of y'all are getting it, but I'm telling you what, these are like the real deal where the rubber meets the road. In my experience and experience with others is people just don't stay long enough to reap a harvest and they blame everything else. Amen. One thing we prayed out over here, I don't know if y'all remember, one thing that, that the Lord had me pray out is that, that many Christians never last longer than their first disappointment in the faith. They never last longer than the first disappointment in the faith. But that's where the rubber meets the road. That's when you find out what you really believe. See, you might have just been believing because it was happening. What, what about the times when it didn't look like it was happening? Now what are you going to believe? Are you going to base your theology on your experience or are you going to allow your theology to, to determine your experience but you got to go through it the long haul for your belief system to change your experience amen you hear people they say well I used to believe in that healing but I don't, I don't know more because Annie Mae died and she, she believed so you, you're going to take the, what happened to Annie Mae and you're going to get put that as authority over the scriptures the word hasn't changed. I don't know why Annie Mae died. I don't even want to know. That's none of my business. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord. But we want to try to figure out and diagnose why something happened to someone, why they didn't get something. and It's none of our business. Annie Mae not, may not want you to know. <laughs> Amen. And she may not even know. But I guarantee you this, the devil is the thief. I can tell you that much. He's the one, who, a lot of times it's ignorance. The Bible didn't say, God didn't say in Hosea 4, 6, he didn't say my people are destroyed because of their sin. No, he just said my people are destroyed because of their lack of knowledge. But we've told people all our lives, you know, and, and we've heard it all our lives that what you don't know don't hurt you. You ever heard that one? What you don't know won't hurt you? Well, the Bible says what you don't know is probably what's killing you. Amen. My people are destroyed because of what they don't know. So you can be doing everything right that you know. But there can be one element missing that could be opening the door to the enemy in your life. It's no wonder the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, forsake not the assembling together of yourselves as the manner of some is, but, uh, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Why? Because we're living in some evil times. We're living in some evil days, and there are more demons being released in these last days than we've ever seen that's ever happened. I mean, gross sins taking place in this world right now, temptations that our children are facing right now that we never even had opportunity to be faced with when we were children, and I'm telling you, we got to be strong in the faith. Amen? we got to walk and be strong in the authority of the believer. Come against these things. Now, so it's not just about being positive, but sometimes you gotta come against things with your words, amen? That's an exercising of spiritual authority as well. So 
we're still here in Proverbs 12, 13. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips. Transgression, all that means is to go the opposite of what God has said. God said one thing, I say another. That's transgression of my lips. And the Bible says that when I transgress with my lips by what I say, it's going to bring me into a snare. But you know who's going to get the blame? God. <laughs> God's going to get the blame. Most people are going to blame God. Well, they're not thinking they're blaming God. They're just like, well, God has some holy purpose in this. Bless his holy name, you know. The, like Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord took away. You know, naked I came into this world, naked shall I return, you know. I mean, th- th- those are all noble things, but they're inaccurate. They're not right. God is not the one who's given and taken away, like the song says, you know, no. <laughs> God is not the taker. God is the giver. Amen. Amen. So how is the wicked snared? They're snared by the transgression of their lips. Now, notice this next part. It says, but the just shall come out of trouble. Now, if the wicked get into trouble by his lips, how do you suppose that the just are going to come out of trouble? By their lips. The wicked get into trouble by their lips. The just is going to come out of trouble by their lips. If you don't transgress with your lips and you speak in accordance to what God's word has said, then it's going to bring you out of trouble. Amen. Now notice it did not say that if you keep speaking God's word, you're never going to get in trouble. But it did say you would come out of it. I said that you can speak only God's word, and the Bible doesn't promise that you will never get into trouble. Trouble's coming if you're a believer. You've got a target on you. But that's all right. He equipped you with his armor to do more than just maintain, but to overcome. Amen? So we're not worried about that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all, David said. He did not say he would deliver you from them all, but he did say he would deliver you out of them all. How does God deliver us? out of our affliction by speaking in accordance to the written word of God. And the word that he, the rhema word that he spoke to our heart, that word of victory that he speaks into our hearts. So the same way that the wicked are snared, the just come out of trouble. That's with their words. So your confession will either imprison you or set you free. Now, let me give you these areas that we can exercise our spiritual authority in, okay? These are some of the main ones that we deal with primarily in our lives uh, as believers. Number one, you can use your authority for protection. In Psalm 91 verse 10, it says, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. And so what you can do, you don't have to say it exactly like this, but you just say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my family members. I plead the blood of Jesus over my friends. Now, Satan, you can't come near us in Jesus' name. You stay away from my church. You stay away from my neighborhood. You stay away from my home in Jesus' name. I speak and proclaim the name of Jesus over every vehicle and over every building that we enter into in Jesus' name. You know, and then you've got to be familiar with some scriptures. Psalm 91 is a powerful one. You know, that whole chapter, or that whole psalm, rather. You know, a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You know, in Isaiah it says, no weapon that's formed against you will prosper. So you've got to speak the word. 
Number two, you can use your authority to drive out sickness. Again, in Psalm 91.10, no evil will conquer you and no plague will come near your home. You see, if someone's sick or is in an accident, just declare the word of deliverance for them. Say, you will live and not die in Jesus' name. And you don't even have to be in their presence. You might have just got off the phone call that there was an accident or someone was hurt or someone's in the hospital, someone needs surgery. Well, you might just get off the phone and then right there, there's no distance barrier in the spirit realm. Amen. You can speak the word. You can just declare, uh, you will live and not die. I command this sickness to stop and to progress no further in Jesus' name. Satan, you take your hands off of them. When you take authority over your own body, you say, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. And sickness is a part of that curse. Therefore, I'm not having any of that. With Jesus' stripes, I am healed. You know, one of my favorite uh, confessions for healing, and I heard Brother Hagin say it. He said, I feel good. I feel fine. Now, body, fall in line. The third way we can use our authority, you can cast out demons. You can use your authority and cast out demons. Amen. Praise the Lord. Mark 16, verse 17, Jesus said, they who believe will cast out demons in my name. So you use the name of Jesus. You plead the blood of Jesus. Uh, You can drive demonic activity out of your home, out of your body, out of your life. Amen. Sometimes taking authority over the devil, if the devil wakes you up trying to worry you about stuff, you just use that time against him and make him wish he would have helped you stay asleep. You could take authority like this in the name of Jesus. You, you don't have to get any louder than that. The devil hears it, boy. You try not to wake up everybody. How many ever had to do that? You don't go going through the kitchen. How do I know when to quit? I, I, get, a, I get a sense of victory, a note of victory, like, man, I done whooped the devil in two. <laughs> and then I go back to sleep. Now, you know what? He lets me sleep better now. He doesn't wake me up no more because he knows I ain't going to lay there. <laughs> Lord, help me, help me. How are we going to do this? How are we going to make that? You know, man, he'll leave you alone when you start walking in your authority. Number four, you can use your authority to calm a storm. Jesus is our example when it comes to dealing with storms. In Mark chapter four, verse 39, it says, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, notice he's using his words, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And we have the same place of authority through Jesus and the use of His name. Amen? Now, it's not Jesus' place to enforce the laws of the kingdom in the earth. He's not here anymore. And that was His storm. You would have to steal yours even if He was here, because He gave you the authority to speak against storms. Amen? So when the report of bad weather comes, don't just wait and see what's going to happen. Start speaking to it. If you can, go outside if you can and point at that cloud. Rebuke it just like Jesus did. Say, you don't come to my house. I plead the blood of Jesus over me, my family, and my property, and all that belongs to me. No damaging winds or hail shall come. Only good moisture can come out of this cloud in Jesus' name. Amen. It works. (laughs) If you'll work it. And so uh, number five, the fifth thing, the fourth was you can use your authority to calm a storm. Amen. Just like Jesus did. And then uh, number five, this is the last one here. You can use your authority for your finances. 
in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That means that Jesus defeated the devil. Amen. Uh, through the cross. Now, we talked about earlier the four checkpoints. If you're experiencing financial difficulty in your life, there's four checkpoints um, that you're to go over with yourself. Number one, are you a tither? Are you a generous giver? Are you walking in love? And are you walking in forgiveness? You know, and you may determine, hey, I am doing all those things. I mean, I know that I'm walking in love. I'm, I'm faithful in my tithe. I'm a, I'm a generous giver. You know, well, you may just be under an attack of the enemy. The enemy can come in with your wonderful self, <laughs> loving self, you know, and he can still attack you. He will try to hold off and block blessings. So it's not always something you're doing wrong. You may just be under a spiritual attack of the enemy. But the revelation that we need to have here in Colossians 2 verse 15 is that Jesus spoiled every spiritual demon that would ever come against you. He already defeated that. And there is a demon of lack, a demon of poverty, and anti-success spirits that will try to keep you from prospering in this life in Christ. And in that case, you would just need to stand against him. Amen. You know, he's the source of your problem. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the devil has come to steal, kill and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. And so the good news is, is that Jesus reduced principalities and powers to nothing. Amen. Praise God. He took away the devil's power to dominate us in any way, including in the realm of our finances. So when you're facing an attack of the enemy in your finances, take your place of authority in him. Amen. Teach this to your children. Don't just do this with your spouse. You can, but do it with your children also. Tell them to speak their faith. Show them how to release their faith. Amen. And believe me, they are catching more than you realize. Like sometimes you tell your kids stuff and you think, did they even hear anything I just said, you know? But there, when you talk to them about spiritual things, a child's spirit is very sensitive and open to the things of the spirit. And so they are hearing those things, teach those things to them. And the Holy Spirit will help you to do that in a way that can help them. So here's just an example of speaking to lack, speaking to whatever's holding back your, your blessings, your increase. Um, you say, Satan, you take your hands off of my money in Jesus' name. And then you command the ministering spirits to go and bring the money and cause it to come into your hands. You know, I like to say, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So there's nothing in this world that doesn't belong to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And then I say, and you've given me dominion over the work of your hands. Praise God. So I thank you, Father, the money's coming. And then you praise and thank him for it in Jesus' name. You see, God did not create you to be a victim. He put you here on this earth to win, amen, and to show others how to win. He made you to win. And you can take authority over the devil in every situation of your life, amen? Praise God.